this week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we launch into the prophet Micah with The Lord is coming, exile is coming, woe to oppressors, do not preach, and rulers denounced. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendorse.org or on your favorite podcast provider. This is the day which the Lord has made. From the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Prepare the way of the Lord. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the skies rain down righteousness. From the rising of the sun to its setting.
A reading from Luke chapter 18. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Behold, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. This is the name by which will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. He shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. This is the name by which you will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. You shall have no other gods.
Catechism, page 322. What is the second article? What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, God and the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has a being being lost in the heaven person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy and precious blood. Spirit. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, last week I commented on how Luther's explanation of the creed really works in the other direction. It's the third article where he talks about how faith is created, something we'll get to next week. It's the second article that then lays out for us the object of faith. And then the first article, the life of faith. Now, of course, none of these can be separated. The faith that we have created by the Spirit placed in our Lord Jesus Christ is the faith by which we go forth and live in the places that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have given us. But today, we focus on the second article, and especially Luther's explanation Here's the first thing that we must appreciate and understand. Faith has an object. Faith is not its own object. Faith does not look at the self, look inward, but faith casts its eyes always upon Christ. Now for me, there is no better illustration of that that when Jesus comes walking on the water to the disciples and they are filled with fear, but it is Peter who then says to Jesus, Lord, call me to come forth and walk on that water. And he does. Peter walks on water because his eyes are fixed on Christ. But then the wind kicks up. And Peter looks away, and he begins to sink. And Jesus says, O oh, you of little faith. Now this is hard, but this is the momentous and remarkable thing about the faith that our Lord creates in our hearts. We place our gaze upon Christ. And in him, though a sinner, we go forth and do remarkable and incredible things. 
Now, what is this object? The object is Christ, and Luther lays this out so beautifully in his explanation. The very one, eternally begotten of the Father, is born of the Virgin Mary. Let your mind meditate upon that. The very one who upholds all of creation by the power of his word is there in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. The one who places breath in your mouth will give up that final breath on the cross for you and for me. The object of our faith is the very God who made you and me created all things, has entered that creation with a purpose in mind, your salvation. And so Luther turns to this in the second part of his explanation. And I noted this last week, Luther inserts a really important word in all of these explanations. He places us there. Some have said, and I think this is right, that Luther's theology can be prayed. It can be prayed because it is our prayer looking to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for what it is that they do for us. You redeemed me, a lost and condemned person. You purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil. Make no mistake about it. It is remarkable and good news that our Lord went to the cross and suffered and died for the sins of the world. But that good news becomes your good news when you come to see that it is your sins that he has taken to the cross, that he is there for you. He is shedding his blood for you. And he gives his last breath for you, rising for your justification. In him, you, me, the whole world reconciled to the Father. It is good news, dear friend, when your eyes are there upon Jesus, but most especially when you see that which he has done for you upon the cross. Now here we have to pause for a moment. Luther says, and I think he's right, we know that we are sinners, no doubt, but it is by faith that we know the depth of our sin. And we know the depth of our sin because of what God has made known to us in Scripture. And so it is, as David prays in Psalm 51, we justify God in His words as we come to see what He says of our sin is true. We know we are sinners, but we do not appreciate the depth of that sin until we glance at the cross and the one upon the cross for you and for me. It is God suffering and dying and shedding his blood for you and for me and rising again. That was the cost. And now we glimpse at the horror of our sin against the holiness of our Lord. When we look to the cross, we go forth in joy, knowing that we have been redeemed, knowing that our life is found in Christ, knowing what we talked of last week in this first article, that God has made you and me with purpose, that he has placed us in the right place to go forth and love and serve our neighbor. When we see that Jesus is indeed the propitiation for our sins, 
we see, as St. John says, not only God's love for you and for me, but the love that takes us forth to live boldly in the world. And this brings us to the gospel lesson that I had read for us to meditate upon what Jesus has done for us and what Luther is reflecting upon in this creed. This is a familiar parable, and it's all about the prayer that both the Pharisee and the tax collector say. Now think of this. It is the Pharisee who prays and thanks God that he is not like others. Immediately we know that he does not understand who God is. He does not know God because he has no love for the other. He cannot think of the other only to put the other down. But that's not what gets my attention. Look at what he then says. I fast twice a week. I give tithes on all that I get the mint, the dill, the cumin. It's an accusation. It's not a mere boasting in the self. It is an accusation against God and His creation. It is God who created us for the works that He created for us to do. And here the Pharisee is saying to God, I can do better than that. You say fast on the Day of Atonement. I say fast twice a week. I say I'll tithe on everything. I say that I can do more than you have called me to do, Lord. I know what a good work is. You don't. It's an accusation. Look to me and that which I am doing. The tax collector is the very opposite. The tax collector stands afar off. He won't even lift his eyes to heaven, he beats his breast, and he says the most remarkable thing. Now all the translations that you likely know say, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Good enough as far as it goes. It's an old rendering of the Greek, but the Greek is startling. He doesn't say that. He says, God, be my propitiation the sinner. He sees himself only as the sinner over against God, and he sees that his atonement, his propitiation is found only in God. An unusual word used only twice in the New Testament. In Hebrews, we read that the very incarnate Son, made like us in every respect, became for us a merciful and faithful high priest to make propitiation for the sins of the people. The tax collector, recognizing only his sin as the sinner, the weight of sin pressing heavy upon himself, he can't look to others, he can't see what others are doing, he sees only his sin and his offense against God. He sees that his propitiation is found only in God. He sees that the object of his faith is only the one that had made him, who could free him and redeem him from his sin and from his guilt. And Jesus puts it plainly. This man went down to his house justified. Faith. 
It is one of the most remarkable, miraculous, stunning, and wondrous things in all of creation. Faith, as worked by God, lifts the gaze of the sinner from himself to Christ. Looking there upon the very one that gave you life and gives his life for you. Looking there and seeing, dear friend, that your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven in what Christ has done for you. And in the freedom of that forgiveness, he then calls us to go forth in the life of faith, in the places he has called us, loving and serving our neighbor, knowing he created you and me with purpose and intention to go forth in the very love of Christ, giving witness to that love, giving witness to the object of our faith. So let us now go forth and do that very thing in the very delight of our Lord and what he has done for us. Amen.
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon, with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the holy Christian church here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and dying and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come that by your protection we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and saved by your mighty deliverance. For you live and reign with the Father and the, the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have bless the Lord. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve us.